turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11. That's where we're going to be camping out today. Uh, probably, I, I know I say this just about every week, but I mean it every time. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. We get to see a very glorious miracle take place. But yet, as we study this miracle, there are so many things that we can identify with. So as we begin... Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you during our overwhelmed series and as we focus on overwhelming loss today, Lord. You're going to show us in your word how we can find hope in the midst of that. So, Lord, anything that I say that is my words, I pray that it be stricken from people's memory, Lord, that only your word, your will, and your way be proclaimed. May you be glorified, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Overwhelming loss is everywhere, is it not? Uh, We can suffer loss, whether it be personally with losing family members. Many of you in here have done that, and I've had the the privilege of walking alongside of some of you during that time, and I know that that time could be overwhelming. Some have lost financially. You know, what we had is not worth what it was. Uh, We have lost the spiritual intensity of our nation. I can't imagine to be some of you that were alive during the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s and seeing how strong church was. And, and I hear people talking about the days when, when this church and other churches were packed. But yet we have seen loss, a loss of spiritual welfare being a priority in people's lives. We've seen the breakdown of the family. We have seen biblical truth be cast aside for popular opinion. Folks, we live in a day that has overwhelming loss. And as we celebrate Memorial Day today, uh, I found out that just in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom, just those two missions, uh, which are some of our most current ones, we have lost over 6,840 U.S. members during that. Folks, one life is too many. And when I think of, when, when I drive by on Shockley Ferry and I see uh, the, the, the original, I think it's is it Silver Bell Cemetery. It's got the white crosses right by the road. And I think of the families that were there. I remember countless trips to Arlington Cemetery and seeing hills filled with crosses of people that have lost their lives, of, of moms and dads and, and fiancés and wives and husbands sending their loved ones off to protect our country for them never to come home. It's overwhelming, is it not? If you've ever been overwhelmed by loss, I pray that this message will reach you today. You see, just in 2014 alone, 2.6 million people have passed on. The life expectancy for the average American is 78 years. Some of you are blowing that out of the water, amen? So you're above statistics. The infant mortality rate is six deaths per 1,000 births. Folks, families are left to grieve and to move on. So not only have we lost lives, there have been lost love as well. There is actually a museum in Zagreb, Croatia. It's called the Museum of Broken Relationships. This is an actual building. You can Google it and find out how to get there. It is a museum that shows art pieces and displays of love that has lost. 
There's an axe that a jilted lover used to destroy the furniture of an offending partner. There's stuffed animals. There's love letters that are framed in broken glass. And there's wedding dresses that all speak volumes of heartache. And while some visitors to that museum, they leave with an overwhelming sense of their own loss, there are others that leave and they depart with their loved one with a hug, with the promise of the fact that they will not fail each other. There's also spiritual loss as well. Since 2007, those affiliated with Christian denominations has decreased by 8%, while those non-Christian faiths have increased by 1%, and those that are atheists and agnostics and don't believe anything, they have grown by 1%. So the people that don't believe in Christ are growing faster, while the people that say they do believe in Christ is diminishing. Folks, we live in a day of spiritual loss. But I want you to understand something in overwhelming loss. As you see on the screen here, in overwhelming loss, Jesus can neither be avoided or denied. In the midst of overwhelming loss, Jesus can neither be avoided or denied. I remember, you know, for some of you, you remember Pearl Harbor because America thought that they were the superpower and untouchable until Pearl Harbor happened. For my generation, it was 9-11. And we got a bloody nose because we were so proud of ourselves. But yet we see that, that terror and evil can strike at any time. And I remember those days following 9-11. Churches were open 24 hours. We had special prayer services. And even a year, two years out, we would have memorials. And now it's just a footnote in a bulletin. But during those times, people were flocking to God or flocking to some sense of spirituality to make sense of that. But I want us to see that when we suffer overwhelming loss, the presence of Jesus Christ can neither be avoided or denied. So let's look at our passage. The first thing we see is that Christians experience overwhelming loss too. Or also, I wanted to make sure that I made that clear. As we look in John chapter 11, let's read verses 1 through 10. It says, Now a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Just a footnote, we see there that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ, enough to where they could even write him a personal letter and say, Jesus, our brother is sick. There was a relationship there. They had faith in Jesus Christ. They were believers, folks, and they are suffering loss. I want you to, for some reason, people think that when we become a Christian, we don't have any more problems. That is far from the case. If anything, we have more problems. But the difference is, is when we suffer loss, we have someone we can go to. We have someone that intercedes. And verse 4 says, when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. If I were you, I would underline verse 4. I, we're going to come back to it in just a minute. But this is God's word to them. He, is, he has sent a message back saying, his, his Lazarus will not end in death. 
Verse 5, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, am I reading this right? He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Folks, I, I'll tell you what, being a preacher, I get a phone call often, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital, or so-and-so just happened, so I put on whatever clothes I can get on, and I'm there. What if somebody called me, and I said, okay, I'll pinch you in in three days. That would be really good, wouldn't But then again, I'm not Jesus, alright? But we see here that he waited to, why in the world did he wait two more days? Because it was going to take him a day to get there. But he waited two more days. Verse 7, then after that he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Verse 8, Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again? Oh, time out, Jesus! Let's, let's take a time out. They were throwing rocks at you. They were trying to kill you, and now you're going back. You would think by this time the disciples would have known that Jesus wasn't scared. But he said, yes, we're going back. Verse 9 says, aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of the world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. Well, from those passages, we see in verses 1 through 3, as I said a moment ago, Christians are not exempt from overwhelming loss. Do non-believers get a pass on overwhelming loss? Sometimes we think, you know, why in the world are we a Christian and we have all these things that we have to do when there are people that are not living for the Lord, that have everything together? You ever thought that? Or so it seemed? Why, why do we seem to get a bum, bum rap? But I'm telling you, the lost go through problems. Saved go through problems. You see, when God sends rain into our lives and into our world, everyone gets wet. The difference is how Christians can respond to loss with hope and empathy and faith. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 5, 45. Listen, I know the grass is always greener. You've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. Wherever their grass is greener, there is always manure. You can take that to the bank. Just because somebody looks like, like they have it all together, that's the key. It looks like it. There is no one that has it all together. Mary and Martha, they were believers, but still their brother Lazarus was ill and had died. Mary and Martha both had faith in Jesus, which is why they sent Jesus a message. Let me ask you something. When we're going through overwhelming loss, when a family member gets sick, when our financial portfolio tanks, when a loved one gets in a wreck, when something happens in just a moment, where is the first place you go to? Well, we'd be tempted to go into the, our, our own handle-it mode. But what Mary and Martha showed us is the first place they went to, their faith led them to request Jesus. Because they, they had known about Jesus. They knew that He was healing people. So surely, if He would heal those people, He would come heal our brother because He loves us, right? But He waited two days. I don't get the two days. Maybe we'll get it in a minute. 
I just hope that when you and I endure overwhelming loss, that the first message we send is a prayer to Jesus asking Him for help. Also, we see in verses 4 through 7, I ask you to underline verse 4 or to, or to make emphasis of verse 4 because what I want you to understand and what, what Jesus is banking on, they didn't even get. In verse 4, Jesus gives His what? That Lazarus would not die. He gives them His what? His Word. He gives them His Word that Lazarus' death or sickness would not end in death. Folks, He didn't have to be there to save Him. For some reason, He wanted Mary and Martha to take Him at His Word. I hope you see where this is going. Jesus was building the disciples' faith, and He was also building Mary and Martha's faith. Because they were 20 miles away from Bethany where he, he was delivered the message. And even if he left immediately, he would have been back there in one day. But Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death, but it is what? For the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. But yet he waited two days, folks. He gave them his word that Lazarus would not die. Or that it would not end in death. Well, what we see here in verses 8 through 16 is that Jesus' time is not our timing. In overwhelming loss, we want help right now. Okay, I prayed, deliver me. Doesn't always happen like that, does it? In times of overwhelming loss, we need to take Jesus at His word, which is what He gave initially to Mary and Martha, did He not? He gave them His word. Jesus is not physically here with us, is He? I don't think He's down uh, getting a hot dog at Skins. Okay? You couldn't blame Him if He did, right? But no, He's not here. He's in heaven. And He's returning. But He has given us His Holy Spirit. So for us, just like Mary and Martha, when we go to Him and we want His promises, we have to take Him at His word. Just like Mary and Martha did. Well, and we see here that Jesus waited for two more days. As we go back and look at the timeline, day one, the messenger came to Jesus. The very, if you do the math, the day that the message was sent was the day that Lazarus died. So, I mean, we didn't have email back then. It's a shame that Mary and Martha couldn't have put it on Facebook. But no, they had to deliver the message. And by the time the message even got to Jesus, it was too late. But yet Jesus waits for another day. They probably thought, well, did he have something more important to do? Well, Jesus arrives in Bethany. <laughs> I got to, you ever been in a situation where somebody walks into a group and you know that there's tension there? That becomes very awkward and uncomfortable, doesn't it? You ever been in that situation? Maybe you're the person who walked in. Or maybe you're the person that's on the other side. Maybe you're the Mary. Maybe you're the Martha. What do you think they thought when Jesus walked in? <laughs> you won't say in church, will you? They were probably upset. Jesus, I thought you loved us. We sent you this message, and your disciples tell me you told them to wait two days? And on the way here, you stopped and healed other people? I thought, I thought we were important. 
You say, oh, they shouldn't say that. But they did. And you and I sometimes would say, God, I've been serving you for five years or 50 years or 500 years. And why am I going through this loss? I don't deserve this. Why are you waiting? Why are you not helping? Do you see the intensity in this passage? Where there are believers that want to know why. We must take Jesus at His Word, literally, and process it through our faith, not our feelings at the moment. Go back and look at verse 4, please. And look at what it says. It says that Lazarus' experience, his sickness, will not, what in death? End in death. Does it say in that passage that he will not die? (laughs) No, it doesn't say that he will not die, but it says he will not end in death. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, you will die on earth, but it will not end in death. Amen? Because the whole reason, the whole thing Jesus is getting ready to do, is He, he is about to choose Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the people He loved, choosing them to show His greatest miracle ever. Ever. Get ahead of myself, sorry. The disciples and Mary and Martha missed the blessing of Jesus' original reply to the message. If they would have just not processed it with their feelings and used their faith to say, He said it will not end in death, so we're going to take Him at His word. But they didn't. They were emotional. They let overwhelming loss overwhelm them. Folks, don't let loss do that to you. Overwhelming loss is an opportunity to what? What does the second half of verse 4 say? This is important, folks. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. The reason that He waited, the reason that He is about to do the unthinkable, is He is glorifying Himself as the Messiah. As the one who has power over death. Folks, understand this. Check it out. Check this out. Hang with me. If you've gone through overwhelming loss and it hasn't turned out the way you wanted it, you might still have questions. But understand, everything that happens in a believer's life is to bring glory unto God. And with that, Minister to you as well. Folks, if Lazarus had not died, we wouldn't be reading about this healing, would we? He had just been one of the many other people that Jesus healed that was sick. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But God had a bigger plan to bring glory unto Himself and give the world a preview. Any of y'all like to go to movies? I like to go to movies. Some people don't like them, but, but I like the trailers where you see what's coming up. We're sitting there, we're watching it, and then I remember when the Avengers trailer came up, I'm like, yes! And then when something else comes up, I'm like, eh, no. Ah, that's going to be a rental. Ah, not going to go see that one. But I love seeing what's coming. I know how to, to play and what movies I'm going to see. Folks, this is the best trailer you will ever see of Jesus Christ showing power over death. They get a preview of this. And Jesus wanted Mary and Martha to believe His Word 
whether he was there or not. And that's what he wants us to do as well. The second thing we see is that overwhelming loss drives us to Jesus' love and purpose for our life. Folks, do not let overwhelming loss make you lose sight of our Savior's love. In overwhelming love, everyone is tempted to ask what? The main question that we will never get an answer to. Why? When we are in overwhelming loss, why? If Jesus had loved Lazarus so much, why did he get, why did he let him get sick in the first place? If Jesus could help Lazarus, why did he delay in going to him? Why did Jesus take time to help others, which made him late to helping Lazarus? Why didn't Jesus heal Lazarus from far away like he had done with the nobleman's son in John chapter 4? Why, why, why? You ever been there? I have. Are all these questions legitimate questions? Absolutely. Why? I want to give you this understanding, that we will never fully understand the answer to why until we see overwhelming loss from God's perspective rather than our own. I know that's a long sentence, but basically that's saying you will never know the answer to why until you can see it through God's eyes. And it won't be in this life. It will be in the next. And also, it was widely known that Mary and Martha, they were family to Jesus. They were loved ones. In verse 3, it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. In verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Mary, or loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Verse 36 says, So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Speaking of Lazarus, the question was, many were left asking after Lazarus died, where is the love? Jesus says he loves them, but he let Lazarus die. Folks, do not let overwhelming loss make you lose sight of our Savior's purpose. We see here, why did Jesus let Lazarus die? Now that we have hindsight is twenty twenty. As a church, why did he let Lazarus die? To show his power and purpose over death through the resurrection. Folks, the resurrection is essential to our Christian faith. Of every belief system, of every culture, cult, doesn't matter what people believe. Of all the, the, the great spiritual leaders and even the non-spiritual and cult leaders that are around, the only one to ever resurrect is Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, newsflash, we serve a risen Savior. And that same power that raised Him can raise you and I out of this muck of overwhelming loss. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verse 16 through 19, he says, For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. In other words, it's saying, if Jesus Christ does not have the power over death, if Jesus Christ cannot resurrect, then our faith is worthless. Let's pack up, let's burn our Bibles, go home, and live like we want to. Because without the resurrection, our worship, our faith is worthless. Listen, I've had times in college in my life where I thought, just for a fleeting moment, what if I am brainwashed? What if all this is not true? You ever felt that? What, just what if? 
And every time I think about that, I come back with, well, what if it's true? (laughs) If it's not true, I have lost nothing. Because my life with Christ has been so much better than when I lived without Him. But if He's right, and the resurrection is the key to your faith, and to my faith, and and the very reason we're here today is because we serve a risen Savior. If Jesus did not have control over death, it would bring into question his power to work in any other area of our lives. Understand this, if, and I've had professors before say this, if they say that the virgin birth did not happen, or that, that creation was an adaptation of a Babylonian myth called Gilgamesh, or that, that Mary could not have been a virgin, if you take out one little word, one little nuance, then you throw the whole thing out. Jesus Christ is risen. And the reason that Mary and Martha are going through this is because Jesus is about to demonstrate. Folks, he could have sat them on a hill and talked about that all day long. But to see it, to see the resurrection power, verses 23 and 24, Jesus says, Your brother will rise again. Martha's response was a typical church answer. She says in verses 23 and 24, Yes, Jesus, I understand that. Lazarus will raise in the last days. You know what she basically said? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, I know. You have said that you're going to come back and he's going to raise with everybody else. Be careful, church. Don't cut Jesus short. Don't try to define what he is or isn't going to do. Take him at his word. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Jesus was using Mary and Martha's overwhelming loss as an opportunity to show the world his greater purpose. Listen, in your loss that you've encountered, what you've gone through, what you will go through, what you're in the middle of right now, the loss that you feel that is so overwhelming. Understand, just as it says in verse 4, it is for God to bring glory to Himself. Some of you have been gone and are going through sicknesses and and relationship problems and and everything else, trouble at school, all of these other things. But understand, your faith can be solid. And in those moments of overwhelming loss, you can be a witness for God and to others by depending upon Him. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I can't just say, let go and let God, amen. It's a lot harder than that. It's a gut-wrenching decision to trust God at His Word. And then finally we see that overwhelming loss leads to Jesus' overwhelming power. <laughs> if you read on to verse 11, or chapter 11, it says eventually that Jesus shows up and everybody's laughing at him and yeah, there he is, Mr. Come late to the party. Everybody probably gave him the stink eye as he walked in, you know. Who does he think he is? I'm sure Mary and Martha are like, I cannot believe. Of all days to show up late, you pick today. They were looking at Jesus' humanity, and they had lost all sense that he was the Son of God. Folks, never lose the awe of Jesus' divinity in your life, because you, my friend, will miss the blessing of it. Matter of fact, it says 
that Jesus, I mean, Lazarus had been dead for four days, and they said, and hey, he's been in there four days, he smells right. Yeah, it says, check it out, it's not my word. The, in the King James Version says, and behold, he stinketh. Yeah. It was not pleasant. You would not want to go around smelling like that. He smelled like death. He was wrapped in death clothes. And then Jesus finally said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. He wasn't in a zombie state. He didn't look like he had been... He was restored. He was whole. He was recreated. He was resurrected because of the power of Jesus Christ. I want you to understand, in verse 35 we see that Jesus silenced his critics. When he says that Jesus wept, I did a whole sermon on the fact that Jesus wept. Why did he weep? Was he crying that Lazarus was dead? No! He wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead. He was crying because he felt the pain of Mary and Martha. And he was crying for the fact that he had already said with his word that he was not going to die. He was crying because people still did not believe him. When he said it, he meant it. His heart was broken. Verse 36, the Jews basically said he can do miracles, but he cannot bring Lazarus back to life. <laughs> he showed them, didn't he? Folks, never limit God. Verses 41 through 44, Jesus gives glory to God and proves beyond a shadow of a doubt. He is the Messiah and he has the power over death. So when you hear the preacher preaching or you see him on the TV or you hear somebody getting red in the face talking about judgment and hell and that Jesus Christ is going to come back for those that love him, remember Lazarus. People discounted him on that too. But Jesus showed His power in that. In conclusion, overwhelming loss. In overwhelming loss, Jesus can neither be avoided or denied. If you've experienced overwhelming loss, please continue to take Jesus at His word. His love, His power, and His purpose for your life can flow through you if you believe that He is your Savior. Overwhelming loss, excuse me, overwhelming loss with Jesus is just that. Overwhelming Jesus or overwhelming loss without Jesus is just loss. You don't get that back. There's nothing beneficial about suffering loss and not having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as I do every Sunday, and I don't do this. I mean, I do this unapologetically. That there may be someone in here that has suffered loss, and you have never, the light has never come on to understand that Jesus knows you. Jesus' power is living in your life and available to you if you accept Him as your Savior and Lord. That resurrection power that He has can be available to you. That where one day you will rise. You can accept Him today by praying for Him to come into your life. If you don't know how to do that, Please come forward. I will help you. There will be a ton of people here that would be excited for you and will help you through that. If you don't want to come up by yourself, grab the hand of the person beside you. 
Or if you're a Christian and you just want prayer, or to come to this altar, or to join the church, this invitation time is for you. Would you please stand?